0: In order to avoid a second primary, you know, aka a runoff, you have to get more than 30% of the vote. So we might have our second primary and the election cycle will not end. This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a look at what's happening in North Carolina politics for the week of May 16, 2022. For the News and Observer, I'm Don Vaughn, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. On Monday, May 16th. The day before the North Carolina primary, joining me today is Danielle Battaglia, our very busy uh, D.C. correspondent. Thanks, Danielle. I'm excited.
1: Are you excited?
0: I'm very excited. Um, we'll be. It's going to be an exhausting week for everybody, for politics reporters, for candidates, for uh, voters, maybe, I guess. I don't know how long the, the lines will be. There's been a lot of early voting turnout, so we have a lot to talk about. So let's start with what's on the ballot at the federal level. Danielle, you've been covering quite a bit of that. Let's talk about the very top of the ballot on the Democratic side. That's Sherry Beasley seems to be the given, but all the attention and the drama is on the Republican side. So tell people what what's going on this week.
1: So first up would be the US Senate race. Um, Senator Richard Burr has decided not to run again, which is not a surprise. He said this, I think back in 2016, that he would not be running for re-election. Sorry about my dog. There is a vacuum going on by my front door. Um, He decided that he's not going to run for re-election. This was planned out since 2016. And um, instead, we have quite a list of candidates, um, way more than most people probably assume are on the ballot. So the people you're hearing about is Sherry Beasley on the Democratic side. She really doesn't have any challengers because the the big names that you've heard about have dropped out of the race to give her basically the edge and, and not to have to spend a lot of money in the race um, for basically the ugly battle that we're seeing on the Republican side. Ted Budd is leading over there. He is the one of our Congress members um, and he is up now in polls. We're seeing as high as 40 percent. So he is the likely Republican nominee Um, way too early to actually say those words. But that's what everyone expects to see. And then um, following behind him, Pat McCrory's been in second for months now. Uh, He is our former governor. If you haven't been paying attention to North Carolina politics, former Congressman Mark Walker has been trailing him. And then you have some other candidates that all want to be the Republican nominee. So um, that's what we're seeing in this race right now. It actually ended up being... Not as exciting in the last couple of weeks as we thought it would be, because getting former President Donald Trump's um, endorsement seems to have given Ted Budd the edge that he needed to win the primary. And that was, I wouldn't say unexpected, but it was not what people running expected to see.
0: It's interesting to see that play out, especially with the criticism from McCrory, who arguably has you know much bigger name recognition. Um, from him and Eastman, that Bud won't show up to the debates. Uh, that's also playing out a little bit in the congressional NC4 district, where front frontrunner, Valerie Fushi, who's a state senator, has been at some early ones, but not these recent debates and forums with the rest of the, the crowded primary field on that side. And it's an interesting calculus, really, that they're trying, that they don't need to be in the public in this way, talking to The people they're running against, for whatever reason, Fushi has huge super PAC money coming into her. She has her into supporting her and through advertising. She has her long uh, record in office and local and state office, but doesn't quite have that as much. Uh, so I guess he's really just, you know, you think he's really just riding on the Trump endorsement or the fact that people just like him better than Mercury anyway.
1: Bud also has a club for growth money coming in, which they've spent tens of millions of dollars on him. Um, I think, though, Fushi is interesting to me as opposed to Ted Bud with the calculus there, because at 40 percent, it's his race to lose. Um, so putting I feel like if you go out and say something stupid in a debate, you could lose your primary, Um, where right now he's sitting pretty. So I understand the thought process of not putting your candidate in front of the people. I'm not saying it's what you should do, but I understand the thought process behind that. I don't know that Fushi is, I don't think she's pulling in 40% of the vote um, in four, although I believe she is the front runner right now. So I'm not sure it makes as much sense for her not to be at the debates as it does for Bud, from a calculus point of view.
0: Right. A lot of that NC4 race has changed just in these past couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of it because of what you were saying on the Republican side, that called for growth, huge PAC money. And on the Democratic side, it's Protect Our Future, which is that crypto billionaire, uh, mostly funded PAC who I talked to uh, a spokesperson for that pack about why they want fushi they're in a lot of races statewide I'm excuse me nationwide and they said for pandemic response but um, anyone that's followed the pandemic spending in the state knows that fushi yes voted for pandemic you know funding allocations but so did everybody else in the Senate and the house I think almost everybody if not everybody so she's not necessarily any different for, for that, um, when I talked to them, I said, well, what else? You know, again, noting that she's just like everyone else in the in the General Assembly that that voted for um, COVID relief. And they mentioned environmental racism, which is something a little more specific. And I talked to our uh, local government editor, Mark Schultz, who has been covering you know that area in Orange County for a long time. And Fushi was on the uh, local board there. And when she was on the board, she did, they did close a, a landfill. So that's a little more specific for her, but that's a lot of money going in. And then APAC, which is the pro-Israel group that has gotten a lot of the attention and controversy and the and the Durham race. But again, Durham is just one small part of the NC4 district. It's Durham, it's Orange, it's Granville, it's Person, it's a little bit of Caswell, it's Alamance. And that's a pretty large congressional district that may be redrawn again very quickly. Uh, but for now, that's what it is. So we have Nita Lam in uh, Durham County, Valerie Fushi, who's in state Senate, but uh, is from Orange County. And then Clay Aiken, who you all probably know from television and and his celebrity status, including Celebrity Apprentice with, with Trump, by the way. Um, Aiken this past week held a press conference that was short notice and said it was about his campaign. So we wondered, is he going to drop out? I was didn't really think he would drop out because he's not like he's way behind. And you wouldn't drop out that close when early voting has been going on for so long. So what he was upset about is the PAC money and wanted to say something about that and then invited one of the other candidates, because we talk about Aiken, Fushi and Alam, and then there's five more. And one of, they're just not the front runners in terms of money, in terms of 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 presence on everyone's radar. And one was Ashley Ward, who grew up in Durham and lives in Orange County now. And she made her case, she's a scientist for why, uh, why people should vote for her. So it's brought Attention to the, to the money in it in a different way. But again, all that money is just advertising. And the advertising factor is how much do people pay attention to those television ads? Um, maybe a lot, maybe a little, if you haven't decided. I talked to uh, one of our uh, regular political experts, uh, Chris Cooper, about what the factor is on, on turnout and who's on the ballot. And because of the attention with the Republicans, those that will vote in the Democratic primary are probably the ones that are really more like inside baseball uh, Democrats. And so the legislative races will be more of a factor for them as far as as turnout, as opposed to those that maybe the unaffiliated voters say in Cawthorn's district that are choosing the Republican ballot because they would prefer Chuck Edwards. So we haven't talked about Cawthorn yet, and of course this is this week is going to be a big factor for him. So let us know, you know, quickly what, um, what we're looking at tomorrow
1: with, with the NC 11. NC 11 has been interesting. Cawthorn has had, well, he calls it a drip campaign of just nonstop uh, scandals and mire just coming at him. And so um, I would say he was the front runner. Most people's gut instinct is he's going to clear 30% and be okay. But there's possibility that these scandals could have knocked him below 30% and pushed him into a runoff with Chuck Edwards. Um, I've heard through the grapevine that Chuck Edwards may actually pull off a lead. And he's actually got a lot of people running against him. I believe it's like seven Republicans that want his seat. So um, he's in, he's in a little bit of trouble. And you can tell from his social media that he's kind of nervous right now. So it's been interesting to watch that race. He went from... I would say a clear win to a bit of trouble in the last couple, of, well, month and a half, I would say.
0: So, a big thing we'll be watching for on Tuesday night is do you clear 30%? Um, in order to avoid a second primary, you know, AKA a runoff, you have to get more than 30% of the vote. So, we might have our second primary and the election cycle will not end. And then, of course, there's the general. So, way, way more to look forward to. It's going to be fun. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Headliner of the week. Welcome back. You're listening to Under the Dome. This is Don Vaughn with Danielle Battaglia, and we're going to give our choices for headliner of the week. Danielle, I'll let you go first. Who or what is your
1: headliner of the week in North Carolina? So I'm going back to my old stomping grounds in Reedsville, North Carolina, which is right above Greensboro for people who don't know where it's at. And um, they had a, an F1 tornado hit them earlier this week. And if you don't know, Reedsville is actually considered Tornado Alley for their National Weather Service, which is actually out of, I believe, Blacksburg. It's been a while since I've covered them, which is in Virginia. Um, but... They haven't been hit in a while. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I believe they were hit with the Greensboro tornado a couple of years ago. But this was a pretty big tornado. If you looked at pictures, it looked like it should be an F5 and they're still cleaning up and a lot's going on. And they've become kind of a news desert outside of local TV coverage. And so um, I don't think they've had the coverage that probably is deserved over there for what they've gone through in the last week. So they're going to be my headliner of the week.
0: All right. And before I start my headliner, a quick shout out since you mentioned Blacksburg. So I'm a Virginia Tech Hokie, so go Hokies. And the shout out is to the man wearing a UVA shirt, which is, you know, Virginia Tech's rival who helped jumpstart my car at the Durham County Library this week when it died after going to that Clay Aiken Ashley Ward uh, presser. So thank you to the man in the UVA sweatshirt. I believe his name is Lloyd. It's his son that goes to UVA, by the way. So he didn't quite take uh, my attempts at at rivalry jokes. So shout out to him. But my headliner of the week is also something that's Durham related. Um, Nugget is this awesome golden retriever that belongs to Keith Upchurch, who is a former colleague of mine at the Herald Sun. He's a longtime reporter and editor. And when he retired, maybe five, seven years ago, he started bringing his dog to Duke campus every single day, unless it was raining. And Keith, of course, went to Duke. I just saw Keith and Nugget um, on Easter coming out of Duke Chapel. And there he was on the lawn with Nugget just, just sitting there waiting to be pet by everybody. So I'm so glad I got a chance to pet to pet Nugget. Of course, I've seen him before, but everyone who's listening, that has spent any time on on the Duke campus recently, has probably met and pet Nugget, who, um, we're sorry, passed away. He was a great dog. She was a great dog. Excuse me. Um, we thank Keith for for bringing Nugget into the lives of everyone in the, uh, in the Durham and Duke community. So my headliner of the week is Nugget the dog. Rest in peace. It's a downer. I'm sorry. Well, it's good. It's great. I mean, we have the good memories of a great dog, you know. So we're we're thankful for that. Nugget lived a good life, and we're we'll all appreciative. I
1: didn't mean Nugget, and I'm sad.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, for the news and observer, I'm Don Vaughn with Danielle Bataglia. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News & Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider. And sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.